Genesis, and this morning we're looking closer at Philippians. Those of you online, please look around. Note that there's a Bible app attached as well as a button you're able to click on for prayer. So Philippians, it is a letter unlike the others that Paul wrote. We learned through Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians that the church was being divided and confused about the right way to follow Jesus and being a part of God's family. Over and over and over, Paul pointed to Jesus to open their eyes to justification or being righteous through only Jesus. So this letter, the letter to the Philippians, is not a correction or a plea, but a letter from a thankful heart of Paul, who brings encouragement to a church dealing with persecution. He doesn't establish authority as an, an apostle in his greetings, but instead uses a less formal, almost familial hello from both he and Timothy. Now here is the clincher. Every one of us that would be locked up in a first century Roman prison cell would totally think about thanking a church, right? I mean, that's the first thought that comes to mind in a dank, lonely, cold, really cold, <laughs> really uncomfortable prison cell. That is where Paul starts his letter, and that is where he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers. For all of you, I always pray with joy. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we have the opportunity to dig deeper into just what kept Paul going and what keeps us going and how this relates to our story. God, we thank you that you have the power and the ability and work in ways that we cannot see. We thank you that you are always working on our behalf. God, help us frame this message in, a, in one that allows a promise-keeping God, a faithful Father, that shows us who you are more and more and more, and who we are because of that, and what we are called to do. Thank you, God, for the tools that you equip the church with. Thank you for the message you have for the church, and may my words be nothing but honoring to you. Amen. So uh, we make no mistake, Paul's story is its own journey. You'll find it in Acts 9. He went through a whole shift in who he believed he was and what he believed he thought and knew. His name changed and his heart changed. When he was Saul, he made it a job to persecute those who wished to follow Jesus. Then one day the resurrected Jesus came to him. He heard his voice and his life changed entirely as he was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. The very people that he was persecuting before were the kind of people that he was now deeply thankful for. His journey didn't end there, and Acts 16 will tell you how the church in Philippi was started, and we'll be working quickly through a Cliff Notes version so you get the context. 
So Paul was given a vision of a man asking for help in Macedonia. He took companions, Timothy and Silas, with him. And there at Philippi, a Roman colony, met a woman named Lydia who believed in God and opened her house to them. Paul and Silas were there a few days, but were sent to jail because Paul cast out a spirit from a slave in the marketplace who told fortunes for money. Now, this spirit was no longer inside her, so she couldn't make money for her owners. Her owners had a fit basically. And the crowd ganged up on everybody and they took him to the magistrate. The crowd joined in the attack, saying that these are new customs that are unlawful for Romans to practice. And they were ordered to beat Paul and Silas and told the jailer to put them in prison and shackles were placed on their feet. And they were in the inner room of the prison. So the jailer goes away in the middle of the night. They start worshiping God and other prisoners hear it. And then a great earthquake shakes the foundations of the prison and all of the doors fly open and the chains come off. Not making this up. The jailer wakes up and immediately he starts going for his sword because there's no way he's going to be alive to tell them what happened here. Like, Everybody obviously is gone, and it is my fault. I am the one in charge. And Paul stops him and says, don't hurt yourself. Everyone's here. The jailer, because of that, immediately asks what he can do to be saved. And at the end of this all, because this is very cliff notes, you really need to read this yourself. The entire household of the jailers were believers and were baptized, immediately becoming a part of the house church in Philippi. This is who Paul was writing his letter of thanks to. So all of that was simply our context to what it is we're talking about. Now for the book itself. The first chapter of Philippians is filled with his affection and memory of this church. He encourages them in verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. After this, Paul goes on to talk about his imprisonment and how being in chains made it easier to spread the gospel and how even the prison guards are paying attention and how it encouraged brothers and sisters of the faith to hang on and proclaim the gospel without fear. He talks about how he has the conundrum of whether it's better to be with Jesus or here on earth to spread the gospel. He encourages them to be strong so that they can withstand the same kind of persecution that he goes through. So the beginning of chapter two is filled with beautiful poetry about Jesus, pointing to the very nature of his kingship and holiness and pointing them to the why he does what he does. He exhorts them to do everything in love so that they would be found blameless. And this is where he mentions the man who was sent to him by the church to care for Paul's needs. His name is Epaphroditus, who, according to the text, was in Philippi, got very, very sick, almost to death. But God had mercy on him and saved Paul's sadness. So chapter 3 is a caution against false teachers, very similar to what is said in Galatians. Judaizers are bad. Justification in Jesus is the only way to go. And four is where we get our text from, 
and also where we learn about the most misused Bible verse, I'd say in the Western world. I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with Philippians. It's actually in Philippians. But who knows what verse in Philippians is the most misused? Anybody? Not Corinthians, but that's a good guess. This is found on keychains, plates, salt and pepper shakers, t-shirts, Tim Tebow's eyes on the suit during the Super Bowl. Philippians 4.13, yes. Christians everywhere have used this as a type of incantation to gather some kind of power to win a game or a marathon or continue working through the day. Some kind of invisible force that takes over that I guess we don't have otherwise and that we seriously misuse. In order to understand where Paul is coming from, we're going to start reading verse 10 through 13. So those of you online, you can go to your Bible app and you can follow along. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This doesn't sound like a Super Bowl to me. Um, it feels bigger. It feels bigger than winning a race. It feels bigger than going against someone you just really don't like and having to have a hard conversation. It feels bigger than how we trivialize. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can go outside and I can... Shovel snow, even though I live in Texas and there is none. I can make dinner even though I am very tired. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not bad that we go to that place. But to understand fully where that place is from, Paul had in those few sentences taken away any foothold from the enemy. He established his feet on solid ground, and all because he used the tool that we have access to every day. And it is contentment. So what is the definition of contentment? By rote, contentment is an emotional state of satisfaction that can be seen as a mental state 
may be drawn from being at ease in one's situation, body, and mind. Colloquially, colloquially speaking, contentment could be a state of having accepted one situation and is a milder and more tentative form of happiness. So you don't hear be content very much in the States. This is not something that the church embraces very easily. You don't hear about ways to be content. You hear about ways to do and be more. It affects our identity. And to be content may look like we're being lazy or just settling. But it's not settling. It's not being lazy or apathetic. And um, I can tell you, God really schooled me when I learned that it's okay to just not because he's asking you to do something else. I remember very distinctly when we were hit by a hurricane by Harvey, and I was trying to do everything for everyone. This was a true stage for my little, my little inner self-doer. I could go and do and do and do, and this was my moment. This was like the spotlight was on me because I was able to meet need after need after need after need, People called me, I would answer. And in that place and at that time, I was getting really tired. I was getting really burnt out because I wasn't doing it in his strength. I was doing it in my own strength. Because us doers, we do. That's all we do. And we don't understand how to use his strength because, well, mine's, mine's good enough, God. I'm worthy enough. I can, I can do this for you. He doesn't ask you to do that. So I am seeking God out and I'm saying, Lord, what is it that you would have me do right now with everything going on? And, and I'm expecting, oh, go talk to this person. Oh, go to this church and, you know, fill up a pantry. Go bring food to this person. And he told me, I needed to sit still and I needed to pray. Just pray. And at that moment, I'm sitting in my room and I am complaining to God about how I am not able to do his work. I'm just trying to do what you told me to, God. <laughs> Ironically. I mean, I know I am not the only one who has experienced this in their lifetime. If I am, that's okay. But complaining about how people need me and I need to help. And I remember very clearly inside that discontent and inside my attitude, he asked a very redundant question. And it was very quiet when he asked that question. So he basically said, and I heard, Do you think? that very spot I placed you in is less holy than where you want me to place you? Think about that for a minute. We tell God all the time where we want to go, what we want to do. And he has a holy place for us. Contentment is a place in our minds and hearts that can only come from obedience as we go where God wants us. Our spirit settles in this sweet spot 
as we step where we are led. And no matter what comes or what we are being invited into, we know that not only will we be okay, but we trust that it is through God we will be okay. Contentment is a tool we have been equipped by the Holy Spirit with. In that contentment, the outcome of knowing thanksgiving and bringing everything through prayer allows us to stand on that solid ground. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is big in a world that is led by feelings. Raise your hand if you like to be whipped around by the winds every time you feel something different or want something different. Me neither. I mean, think about it. If you're honest with yourself, it is exhausting. Your perspective becomes skewed, and what you remember is lack and pain. And there is nothing lovely about that. In contentment with the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul was able to look at his being in prison as a way to spread the gospel. He knew the power of gratitude and contentment, and he did his best to share that knowledge with the church. So what can we take away from the happiest letter Paul ever wrote? For one, we have been equipped with tools to love well. We're not superheroes, but we are a part of a supernatural legacy and heirs to the throne. So let's own that. Can I get an amen? Yeah. As the world continues to be whipped around by feelings and divisiveness, the body of Christ has the ability to ask the Holy Spirit for contentment. We can access peace in the hardest circumstances because we are able to remember what God has done. Because we are able to know that he is still doing it. Just the act of memory, even in hindsight, strengthens your faith and grows your trust in God. And in that, we are able to endure what we face head on. And the outcome of endurance is hope, which also grows faith. And people see that. And when we walk through those hard times and we don't respond the way they think we will, they take notice. They watch. You want to know why Christians are called judgmental right now? They've watched. We have not acted in love. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying there has been some acts that have not been in love. And it is a lot easier to remember something that pains you than it is to remember a blessing. And that is why Paul is able to say, I thank my God every time I remember you. Because we rejoice in our sufferings. Just because you see it doesn't mean you have to be it. Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
Jesus is the only solution for our broken and hurting world, and we are his representatives. We can choose to use wisdom, ask for discernment when it comes to things that disrupt unity. We can choose love over being right. We can if we embrace the power of contentment. This does not mean that you don't get to have feelings. It means that inside these hard places, you invite the Holy Spirit into those feelings and listen as he talks about your heart because you see him as promise-keeping. This is your faithful father who is talking to you. Then you stand on firm ground and you're able to see clearly. This is not easy if your feelings are in the way, but if you're able to surrender those feelings, it makes things so much easier for each of us to hear God speak. And our last takeaway, make gratitude your attitude. And that's not just a platitude. Sorry. I... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, I, I had that in my head. I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Anyway, I'm a nerd at heart. Um, if there is one thing I keep hearing in Paul's writings to the Philippians, it is gratitude. Gratitude plays into the way he sees his life playing out. We can't be phony about gratitude. There is so much to be thankful for, but to point it to God and to give him the glory is so opposite with what is happening with what we are inundated with daily. It's so opposite. There are so many people worshiping themselves right now. It's sad. And they're worshiping other people and they're allowing people to worship them. And none of it is going to last because somebody is going to get their feelings hurt. And after all of the smoke goes away, there is still Jesus.